eco-friendly living. For a lot of people out there, it can seem like a daunting task, one with so many options and paths that you end up feeling overwhelmed and confused instead of inspired and ready to take action. It's hard enough living life today without adding another thing to your plate. That's why I'm here to help. I'm here to pull you out of the societal norms of materialism and overconsumption so that you can live a happier, simpler, more eco-friendly life by making small changes in your habits, mindset, and home. This is Kayla Rogers, and you're listening to the Unrooted Mama Podcast. Hey guys, thank you for tuning into another episode. So today I have an awesome guest for you guys, and I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this conversation. I know that this podcast mostly deals with eco-friendly living, but I also like to throw in some mindset tips and just things that will help enrich your life in general. And so that's what the episode for this week is all about. I'm pulling on a guest who has been my friend for a while now. Um, We're social media buddies, and she is just absolutely amazing. Her name is Caitlin Perna, and she is a feminine intimacy coach. She works a lot in emotional resilience, embodiment, bringing pleasure into your life, um, and just a lot of self-discovery, just a lot of amazing mindset tools that helps you be confident in who you are as a person and confident within your body. So today, that's a lot of what we talk about. We talk about emotional resiliency, embodiment, um, how to get more in tune with your emotions, and how to be accepting and compassionate towards yourself in terms of different emotions that we have. And then we also talk about body confidence and tools to help us be more confident within our bodies. So this episode is just jam-packed full of amazing tips and content that, in my opinion, can help anybody listening out there. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did because Caitlin is amazing and everything that she brings to the table is just awesome. So here we go. Hey, Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me here, Kayla. Thanks. Okay, so tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. So I'm a feminine intimacy coach, which um, is kind of a a phrase that I've coined up because what I do is pretty varied. Um, As an intimacy coach, it's my goal to help women in femme, so people that identify as um, living a feminine experience or female experience, um, to find liberation through pleasure and play. So that can be, um, I'm also a sexuality ed- educator. So that's both sexual intimacy, non-sexual intimacy, um, whether you're single or you're partnered or you're dating. Um, I, I pull upon body confidence a lot in my work. Um, and basically viewing the world um, through this lens of how we can make it more in our lives, more enriched and more aligned with where we want to go. And it kind of was birthed out of this identity crisis that I found in motherhood. And I realized this happens a lot in life. Um, And I realized that every time these big paradigm shifts happen in my life, I'm really called into asking What's serving me? What's aligned with me? What do I want out of this? And uh, realizing that we live in a society where uh, that takes us further away from intimacy with ourselves and further away from intimacy in connection with other people, whether or not we're in romantic relationships. 
So I talk a lot about emotional regulation and resiliency, which I think we'll be talking about today. (laughs) Um, So kind of within the scope of mindset in a way, um, I talk a lot about self-discovery and um, body confidence and sexy stuff. So I talk about all those things. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I, yeah, I think that everything that you do is awesome. Um, I love following along with your social media and seeing all of the different tips that you have regarding all of that. Like every single time you post something, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So yeah, I feel like it's very needed, especially in today's society. I love what you do. Well, I'm a big fan of what you do too. (laughs) It's a shared love story. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Okay. So let's talk about like self-awareness and emotional resilience kind of what those mean to you and why you think they're so important. Okay. So with self-awareness, I think it's really important. I I touched upon this a a moment ago where we really live in a a culture and a society where we are kind of on this conveyor belt of life, where we have these preordained structure for where we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to do, Um, and that can, that is oftentimes where most of us are led on those paths. Um, but based off of the way that we're socialized by our parents and the friendships we have, where we grow up, all of those sort of intersectional, um, funnels for our identity give a lot of, um, conflicting information. And that's where you see a lot of self-criticism come in because, your brain is storing up all of these well-intended memories from your parents, your peers, your teachers, your community leaders about what you should be doing with your life. Um, and I just realized that there wasn't a lot of information in to really de- digging deep down within ourselves and trying to figure out, well, is this actually bringing me expansion and joy? Is this serving me or am I just going along with the motions because this is what's expected of me? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that as, I mean, I was going to say as a society, but really it's a world um, issue where we're, we are more miserable and unhappy and confused and not sure where to go or what we want to do when we grow up than ever. <laughs> and uh, you know, we as human beings are constantly moving targets. So being aligned with our core values and what we want to do and what, um, what we want to learn, what excites us, what pleases us and what doesn't is constantly changing. So without having that self-awareness and learning what that means, mm-hmm. um, we feel really lost. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I completely agree with everything that you said, I feel like it makes so much sense. And especially with everything going on in the world, like Mm. I definitely feel like self-awareness is extremely important and something that not a lot of people are mindful about or really even think about. So I love that you like bring a lot of attention and light to that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that kind of pulls in with emotional regulation and emotional resiliency. I mean, for me, I'm a pretty extroverted person. Um, And I don't know about you, but I grew up in a pretty loud household where there was a lot of discipline. We were actually just talking about discipline before um, getting on this this chat together Um, with like how we discipline our kids because I'm a mom of two. Um, I have a five-year-old and three-year-old. My oldest is autistic. And so I had to learn a lot of emotional regulation tools to help her. And I realized it helps everybody. This helps me in the moment with my parenting. It helps me with my partners and other, like my bosses. 
being able to have tools to not um, be really emotionally reactive and maybe do our things out of an emergent, like a sense of emergency that we, um, that don't align with us being able to get more of a pause and reflect like, does this, does this actually the way that I want to respond? And it's so flipping hard, (laughs) but (laughs) with a lot of, with a lot of practice, I've seen huge shifts, huge changes for me um, and my, my clients and my, you know, just anyone who I interact with that has an interest in these things. Um, it definitely goes along with mindfulness. And so um, emotional regulation is, you know, I don't know if it's like, is it the chicken or the egg? Like which came first emotional regulation or mindfulness, but mindfulness is obviously a much more popular phrase. So it it really just encapsulates mindfulness. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I relate to that so hard. I try to do like the gentle and positive or respectful parenting, you know, and just being very in tune with my emotions, but that's so hard to like regulate your emotions fast enough to help your kids regulate theirs. It's, yeah, it's such a crazy cycle and it's so hard. Um, but I feel like that's something that a lot of people struggle with. So um, most of the people that listen to my podcast are women and a lot of them are moms. So can you, is, is there like any quick tips that you can give regarding emotional resili- resiliency or regulation, both like mm-hmm. in your personal life and then in the scope of like parenting and trying to help your kids emotionally regulate or regulate your emotions in order to like effectively parent. Yeah. 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 So I think with parenting, like it always, it always starts with the parent first. Mm -hmm. Um, We're always looking at ways to help our kids and to teach them things, or, you know, we put them through play therapy or we put them in extracurricular activities and we try and make sure that they're getting everything that they want and need. And then the parents kind of, can suffer if they're not making sure that they're not putting in regular practices, rituals, routines, whatever you want to call it. I like saying rituals because I hate, I just hate routines. When I think of the word like morning routine, I just want to vomit. I want it to be fun. Like I want it, I want it to feel good. Not like I wake up and I brush my teeth and I go to work and yeah. yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Um, So you were asking for, specific tips. Yeah. Or if you just have like, yeah, tips or insight. Um, I know that literally you coach people on this, so I don't expect you to give us everything, but if you have like just a couple tips, if people are listening and they haven't really been Uh super mindful about trying to emotionally regulate or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, stuff like that, how people can kind of get more in tune with that. Yeah. So the more that you are mindful of what's going on day in and day out with your emotions, you're checking in with yourself. You know, there's that saying like check in with yourself as often you check in with your phone. Mm -hmm. Um, The more that we check in with ourselves and realize where we are, like, are we like our emotions? Are we feeling good? Are we feeling comfortable? Or is there some sort of um, state of unrest or unhappiness or struggle. Um, fun fact, we actually have way more unpleasant emotions than we do pleasant emotions. I don't know if you ever seen the movie Inside Out, yes. but Joy is the only happy one. Yeah, She's the only like positive, pleasant, pleasant one. The other ones are deemed undesirable. Yeah. Um, I think psychologists have said there's anywhere between six and 24 emotions and most of them are unpleasant. Yeah. And so um, the first thing that I would say 
is for, for parents, or even if you're not a parent and you just want to practice more and more um, coping skills for emotional regulation is just having a, having a pleasure practice every day. And, you know, I, when I say pleasure practice, a lot of folks might think that's sexual. It doesn't have to be. I mean, if, if you want you go for it, but um, just something that feels pleasing to you. So it could be the way that you make your morning coffee and you do it in a really slow and intentional way, or it could like, maybe it feels really awesome to have that multi-step skincare routine, or maybe it's going on a walk every morning before or after you eat breakfast or after you drop off your kids at school, just something that's specifically for you. And it only like, it could be med- as simple as a five minute meditation. It doesn't have to be anything really complicated, but just where you're checking in with yourself and you're making yourself a priority every day. That's a really simple one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more that you're, you're aware of your emotions in the moment, whether or not you're happy or upset or nervous or whatever it is, the more you check in with yourself, that is what builds emotional resiliency. Mm-hmm. So you could um, do something like putting notifications on your phone. I know a lot of people do notifications on their phone, like little reminders to check in or they'll do like different mantras or affirmations. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think it's really helpful um, to, to have a compassion practice. So compassion is different than sympathy or empathy because compassion is basically having all of these positive thoughts and emotions and giving ourselves a break. It's being reflected inward as opposed to empathy or sympathy, which is us relating to other people. Mm -hmm. So um, the more compassionate we can be and non-judgmental of where we are and just saying like, I'm really pissed off right now. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be pissed off. Like anger, anger. So here's another thing. So anger is always a very surface emotion. There are other emotions beneath that anger. Um, There's a phrase called emotional granularity. And if you Google, you can, um, you do a Google search, you can find an emotional feelings wheel. Mm -hmm. And so this wheel at the center, it has really basic emotions. And if you go out further to the wheel, to the outside corners, it, you can identify like, what is it exactly that I'm feeling right now? So if you name it, you offer it compassion and try and not judge it as much as you possibly can. That allows a lot more expansion, a lot less self-criticism, a lot less anger and resentment for what's happening and just acknowledging the fact that I feel this way and it's okay. It's completely acceptable and fine for me to be angry or sad or happy. Um, And if you just practice these when you're finding that you're in a state of discomfort, um, this emotional granularity and naming it and just offering a few moments of compassion, maybe just putting a hand on your heart, taking a few deep breaths. Um, there's so many different mindfulness practices that I could give you. It's insane <laughs> to help you with this practice. And so, you know, it's something that I do. I teach a lot of workshops and embodiment classes on and I do coaching with. Um, so I'm kind of giving you a lot of different examples, but yeah. really it, the more you practice these um this mindfulness and just being really aware of what's going on and offering acceptance for the way that you feel the less hold that those emotions have that are uncomfortable have Mm -hmm. over us um and the more that we can respond in the moment um with 
with a, like in a way that just aligns with us better that we feel good about. Um, and we're going to make mistakes and, um, apologize profusely and know that it's just going to happen again. And like, and mistakes are growth. And that is like, you're constantly growing. I don't know about you, but I'm always learning by doing like, you can tell me something 20 times and I'm not going to listen to you until I experience it for myself. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's okay to make mistakes, especially, especially if you're in parenting, um, provided that you are taking ownership for what happened, you're apologizing, um, and you just do some very small reflection on it to realize like, this is, this is why this happened and it makes sense. So you can try and avoid it next time. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. And I love all of that. I feel like when a lot of people talk about mindfulness, it's mostly the positive aspect of it. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, like, oh, you know, bring joy into your day and say the affirmations and do this. So I love that you talk about trying to regulate those negative emotions, because I feel like that's something that a lot of people just try to shy away from and not talk about and suppress. And I definitely see how important it is to yeah, like you said, just give compassion to yourself and those negative emotions. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, I give a lot of flack for, I'm not going to go and say that every mindset guru out there is wrong, or that Mm -hmm. they all, you know, whatever, I'm not going to trash talk anybody. Mm -hmm. But I think there's just so much about the wellness space and the way we talk about manifesting and mantras and spirituality and affirmations and positive vibes in a way that's kind of toxic. It's not honoring this, the other emotions that we have, which those emotions are just neurological responses, letting us know that, Hey, there's something going on here. We need to tell you. It's kind of like if you have a kid coming up and saying like, Hey, uh, our car's on fire, our car's on fire. (laughs) And you're like, I'm busy right now texting my friend. Yeah. And like, if you ignore those emotions, they're going to turn up the heat. Yeah. (laughs) They're not going anywhere. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I completely understand. And I'm definitely one I talk, I've talked about like gratitude and Mm -hmm. affirmations and stuff and just, you know, practicing being grateful on the podcast. But I definitely also think it's so important, like you said, to just address those negative emotions Mm -hmm. and not try to erase them or pretend like they're not there. So yeah, yeah, again, I feel like that's so helpful. If you integrate all of those things together, it's a much more holistic way of looking at our humanity. So the the gratitude practices, affirmations, all that, they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. Alone, it is only part of the part of the puzzle. It's not the whole picture. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Okay. So let's shift gears a little bit. And I know another thing that you talk a lot about is body confidence and just Mm -hmm. confidence in general. Like you, I admire you so much in that because I have always been very shy, I guess. Like, I don't know the, whatever the opposite of confidence is, that's what (laughs) I've been all my life. And every time that you post something about confidence, I like watch it 18 times. I'm like, okay, I need to do this. So, oh. so um, I know a lot of people probably feel the same way, especially with body confidence. Like mm-hmm. I feel like moms in general, it's hard to be accepting of your body after you have kids. You know, everybody expects you to snap back super fast. And when we have the stretch marks and the extra skin and the baby yeah. weight that we can't lose, like, I don't know, I feel like it can be very hard to be confident. Mm-hmm. So um, do you have any advice on how, like moms or just women in general can be more confident in our bodies? Yeah. 
So a lot of what I do, and I don't think I even mentioned this earlier, a lot of what I do is I talk a lot about embodiment. Um, so basically what embodiment it means is you've probably heard of people talk about a mind body connection or a mind body spirit connection. And so when we do a lot of our traditional emotional work, um, especially work in the realm of, um, Western psychology, it's all very cerebral. It's all very like brainy mental work up here. Um, but as science, um, and behavioral science progresses, we're learning that a lot of, um, a lot of our emotions and, um, a lot of memories are in the simplest of terms trapped in our body. Obviously there's not like literally something just kind of living in our body, but the way that our memories, um, around the way, around the way that we feel that we should value a body or the way that we view a body as being acceptable. That is something that we're socialized with growing up about, um, our, like our fat bodies, bad bodies or thin bodies mm -hmm. better to have. Um, and so in that way, when we have these memories, it elicits um, a lot of emotions and you can feel them. Like you can sense them in your body. Like maybe you feel shame in your heart or you feel like this pit in your stomach when you're, when you're thinking about your body and it's not a positive um, experience. Um, and so a lot of the advice that I give for folks working on their body confidence is trying to um, be as embodied as possible. So what exactly does that mean? Um, I could give you so many different practices, but we'll just focus. We'll just focus on one. So one practice that I really enjoy doing is mirror work. Mm -hmm. And so um, a way for us to get embodied is by using our senses, taste, touch, smell, um, awareness. So something that I really like to do um, with being like a mindful embodiment practice is I like to do a lot of mirror work. So when I'm thinking negatively about myself or I'm beating myself up, I will actually go in front of the mirror and talk to myself. <laughs> um, I will say the things out loud that I'm thinking in my head that also helps you just kind of slow your thinking down. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're not just kind of having all these worrying thoughts all at once. It allows us, um, our brains to kind of funnel down and focus on exactly the emotions that we're thinking of or the, the thing that we're tackling right now. Mm -hmm. And so you can hear, you can hear yourself when you're talking about your body and you're looking at your body, whether you're fully clothed or naked and just doing this a couple minutes um, over time every day um, can allow us to find a lot more appreciation for our bodies. And then also just recognize out loud, like the horrible things that we think about our bodies and like, girl, it is not your fault. Like it is not your fault. You were not born hating your body. You were not born thinking that my jelly rolls aren't cute <laughs> because when you are a baby, your jelly rolls are freaking cute and they're still yeah. freaking cute now. Mm -hmm. So, um, when I started on my body confidence journey, for me, um, something I do is when I realize that clothes aren't fitting me, um, very, very quickly, I just pack them up and I find someone, find another home for it. So whether that is putting them on Facebook marketplace or putting, taking them to the thrift store. Um, I know that 
you are also really big into sustainability and I am too. Mm -hmm. So I try not to be wasteful as much as possible, Mm -hmm. but then also just recognizing like having it on the shelf and you going into your closet and realize you have a closet full of clothes that make you feel like shit Mm -hmm. isn't, isn't going to do you any good. Um, And so, you know, unless it's something where, you know, in a couple short months, maybe motherhood, for example, you know, for a fact, your body will change. Mm -hmm get rid of them. <laughs> and if you, you know, if you want to put them on a box in a box and put them in the back of the closet or in the basement, that's fine too. Um, but I would say make sure that you have just a couple of simple pieces in your wardrobe that make you feel good. It does not have to be expensive. It can come from a, from a thrift store, it can come from target, mm-hmm. um, making sure that you have things that you feel good in um, and then going back to the mirror work embodiment practice, because I kind of jumped around there a little bit. Uh, I tend to do that. <laughs> um, going back to the mirror work practice, just spending a couple of minutes in the day, just almost like having a conversation with yourself, talking to yourself. And when you're doing that, trying and tap to tap into your senses. So maybe while you're doing this work, you can light a candle that you really enjoy, or you make sure that you are really caring for yourself with, um, you know, maybe it's just something as simple as you put sunscreen on to protect your face or moisturizer to help hydrate your skin. Um, I really love playing with makeup. It feels really good for me. So, you know, I might do it after I put on makeup or after I've dried my hair and taken a shower, um, you know, not everyone will have that availability for time and resources, but as much as you can immerse yourself in experiences and practices, personal practices, where you feel like you can light delicious candles that make you feel really good, that make you re- feel really good because it smells amazing. Or I like to burn sage because I'm a little bit of a hippie. I like to do that. Um, or, you know, maybe it's just like the way that you're massaging the moisturizer on your face in the morning and you're not, you're like, you're saying out loud, you're purging all of the criticism you have for yourself. But then after that you reframe it and you replace it with like, no, like I'm uh, like, that is how I'm feeling. But also I am going to feel this way about my body. Mm -hmm. Um, so part of it is a verbal, um, practice and then other parts of it are surrounding yourselves with things that don't have to be expensive. They don't have to be super opulent, but it gives you this feeling of inner opulence. Um, So I put dimmers in my bathroom because I don't like having super bright light in the morning. So Mm -hmm. I might light a candle in the bathroom before I did that. And I do this practice and it just, it feels very sensual, not erotic, but mm-hmm. it's giving me, I mean, if you want to make it erotic, go for it. Like you could put on some hot lingerie and talk to your body, mm-hmm. adorning your body and surrounding your body in things that feel pleasurable, um, pleasurable to the eyes, the ears. It could be great music. I love dancing in the morning when I do mirror work with, I got a bunch of different playlists for that, <laughs> that, that reflect the way I'm feeling. So, you know, some days it could be slow music. Some days it could be fast, fun music. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are, those are several different scattered examples. Yeah. I think of how, of how we can try and look at our bodies less as this, thing to stretch and change and force into the shape of what we think it should be and embrace it just for where it is right now and what it's done for us 
and indulging in the sensations allows us like we can feel pleasure in our body right now and it doesn't have to do anything with uh, the stretch marks rippling across our belly or how saggy our breasts are or the pounds on the scale. We can feel empowered and good about ourselves right here, right now. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. So like specifically when you talk about mirror work, just because like this is blowing my mind, it's completely new to me. Like I've stood in the mirror and said affirmations, but I've never actually done the kind of mirror work that you're talking about. Sure. So would, like you said, you kind of like brain dump everything that you're thinking. So if you do have a lot of negative thoughts about your body, do you just say that in front of the mirror or do you oh, yeah. try to like pull in, you know, like the positive So here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing about doing this work. Without nerding out too much, (laughs) the self-criticism, the areas of your brain that process a lot of shame and guilt and self-criticism come from really ancient parts of our brain in the limbic area and our brainstem. The front of our brains, our prefrontal cortex, is the integrator. It's what allows humans to be humans. No other animals in the animal kingdom have this part of their brain. It's just us. And that's what allows us to have a higher level of of thinking, of of thought. Um, It's what made us kind of these super creatures here on Earth. So as you're saying these out loud, like, say, use whatever language. I cuss a lot. So I will be saying, like, I will be saying all this stuff in in the mirror to myself. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm saying them, I'm just paying attention and noticing about how my body is responding. And by that, I mean, like, where do I feel sensation right now? So it's, could, it could just start with, I feel numb. Mm-hmm. Or it could be my fingers and toes are cold. Or it could be, I have a heat, like I feel really hot behind, in my throat. Mm-hmm. Or I feel um, the sensation in my chest. So it can first be just noticing Um, where you're kind of being activated in terms of sensations in your body as you're saying these things. Mm -hmm. And then over time, you'll start to associate these sensations with emotions. And so instead of just saying, I feel this really awful feeling in my chest, you'll say, I feel shame in my chest. Mm -hmm. And so you'll notice by saying these things out loud and noticing this embodied memory you are clearing them. You are expressing everything you want to express. And then our prefrontal cortex kicks in and it's like, bitch, you're hot as hell. (laughs) Like that's not fucking true. And you know, it it might not be that way the first time. It might not be that way the 21st time, but over time, this stuff does work because it's not predicated on anyone else's opinion of you. There's no specific strategy. There's no specific way. Like there's no way to get this practice wrong. (laughs) It's just, it's just a practice to in, in it of itself that's only for you. So if you do this and you try mm-hmm. it and it, you feel even a little bit lighter mm-hmm. after you try mirror work, try it again the next day. Try it again the next time. And if it just feels really shitty, then there are plenty of other practices that you could try. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just amazing how you, when you go through this process, when you're just kind of dumping out all of these things you're thinking about your body, then your brain starts to find all of these connections and these positive parts of you. They're like, no, like that's not true. There's so much amazing that there's so much amazingness that I have mm-hmm. to offer. <laughs> so is that like the goal? Like you start, you can brain dump all the negative thoughts, but eventually like hopefully you start spitballing all of like the positives and yeah. Okay. And you know, you don't have, if, if you're, if you're a journal girl, you can do this in your journal too. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when I'm having a really hard time saying them out loud verbally, I will put pen to paper and I'll, I'll do it in a journal, but I will do it in front of the mirror so yeah. that I feel like I'm actually almost having a relationship with myself yeah. <laughs> as I'm doing it. And there are other ways to do uh, other ways of doing mirror work. It's kind of like meditation. There's so many different ways to, to meditate. Um, mm-hmm. but this is just one, one way that I use mirror work, um, on a, pretty regular basis to help me with my body confidence. Cause like there are days where I don't feel like hot shit either. And the days that I feel the worst are the days that I realize I'm not taking care of myself. And I'm not talking about, I mean, yes, I am talking about taking care of myself in terms of eating nutritious food and moving my body and showering basic things like that. But even that's just like basic survival stuff. Like we need to shift this in the paradigm, especially for motherhood. Like that's just basic stuff. Like self-care goes above and beyond it. This is what self-care looks like and self-care. Like, is it wearing uh, like face masks and bubble baths? Sure. But that is the low hanging fruit. This is like, the the uh I don't want to say the next level but it's just like a it's a different shade or different iteration of self-care that's beyond just like the very easy pickable things Mm -hmm. yeah definitely um so is there anything else um that you kind of want to touch on that you think could help women besides the whole self-awareness and emotional Mm -hmm. resilience and body confidence because I feel like all of that is just amazing but I don't know if there's anything else that you work on a lot or that you like do a lot in your work that you would want to like just tell my listeners before hopping off? Sure. So, um, I work a lot in, um, I'm, I work a lot in the, in the trauma sphere. So, um, I try my, I try my best to be trauma informed and be up to date on the different, um, the different ways that our lived experiences can intersect with lived trauma and the way that they're embodied. Um, and so, uh, since a lot of what I do is self-discovery, a lot of that is uprooting shame and doing it in a way that feels safe doing it in a way that doesn't feel re-triggering and re um, like we're being shamed again or that we feel bad for doing this. So, um, you know, I've already mentioned that I do a lot of workshops, which are kind of these almost like a group coaching setting. And then I do embodiment classes, which is more of the practices. So my background is in yoga and meditation with embodiment classes. I will pull in mindfulness practices, yoga and meditation and do other things. Actually the one that the the class that I have this month at the end of May, um, we do mirror work in it. Um, and like, you don't have to have your camera on when we're doing it. Like you don't, these are private, these are private things, right. And they can feel really vulnerable. So like people are absolutely welcome to interact. And I love talking with humans, Mm -hmm. but you can have your camera off. You don't have to contribute. You can just like soak it in and receive. Um, but to answer your question, other, like other things that I do in one-on-one, I really look to getting to the meat of emotional healing and, um, removing, like observing your lived experiences and trying to energetically clear the lived trauma and making sense of that. Because, um, as a society, we just bottle up so much and trauma a lot of people feel like well I don't live with trauma like that's not I I I'm not I'm not from like a ref I didn't have to be displaced from my country I'm not a refugee or um you know I wasn't sexually abused as a child Mm -hmm. 
trauma is a lot more common than we think. Like trauma is not just for PTSD war vets. Um, Trauma is anything that either we were not able to support ourselves with and integrate and understand at the time of that event happened, or it can be multiple small events that aggregated into one bigger experience. But trauma is just any, any experience that we were not able to integrate for whatever reason, and we were not supported through it. So whether it's we didn't support ourselves through it, or our peers or our parents were not able to offer that support through it, um, and so I find a lot of times in, in folks' journeys for self-resiliency um, and emotional regulation um, and feeling really good in their bodies that there are a lot of layers of shame to uncover. And it's something you can definitely do um, and self-heal over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that I work with my mindfulness practices and doing that in one-on-one coaching is a really powerful way to kind of just get you there a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I'm not even able to do this work on my own, this really powerful stuff. I have to do it with somebody else. Uh, we're, I mean, we're, we're community creatures. We, we belong to each other. We are community animals. Um, so that is something else that I do a lot. And I already mentioned that I oftentimes work, uh, I'm a sex educator. So I oftentimes talk about sexual intimacy, both with ourselves and with our partners and how to communicate that. So all of these little tidbits kind of trickle down into the work that I do and just trying and help folks feel better about their lives and where they're going um, and removing layers of shame so that they can liberate themselves from it. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. Um, so where can my listeners find more about you? Like where can they, I'm sure after listening to this, everybody is like, give me more of Kaylin Perna. Where can we like see her? Where can we reach out to her? So let us know like where everybody can find you at. Yes. So um, I'm very active on Instagram. I'm in my stories every day. I try and have like a little party in there most days. So Instagram, my Instagram handle is caitlin.perna. And I do have a website as well, caitlinperna.com. But right now, all of my, it's it's a pretty basic website. And right now, all of my information about my offerings, my services, Um, And just whatever I'm feeling at the moment to talk about that I think will help folks is all going to be on my Instagram. Um, So you'll find signups there if you want to work with me one-on-one. I I just actually recently opened um, free discovery calls. So if you're curious and you just want to pick my brain, whether or not you have the intention of working with me on an ongoing basis, or you just have one small thing to ask me, I do have these peer support sessions open for you. So that can all be found on my Instagram links in my bio. Nice. That's awesome. And I'll, I'll like link your Instagram bio in the description for this episode. That way, if anybody wants to find you, they can just like click that directly and they can have your Instagram handle right there. So thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I feel like this episode was jam packed full of, at least for me, all of this is mind blowing and something that I'm definitely going to re-listen to and start applying in my real life because it was just amazing. So thank you so much. Absolutely. I always try and come packing with a value, with a value, but I'd also don't want to be overwhelming. So hopefully (laughs) one step at a time, it's a lifelong journey. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. It was a pleasure being here and I always love being in your orbit. So thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you. 
So there you have it. I hope that this episode helped everybody listening as much as it helped me. Caitlin gives us so many great tools when it comes to emotional wellness, emotional resiliency and regulation, and the body confidence. So again, I hope that this episode was helpful for you guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Unrooted Mama podcast. And until next time.